All right. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to our uh, Monday morning wake-up call. You guys are – I appreciate you guys being here and uh, punctual and on time. We're having some uh, cute conversations as we were kind of wrapping up and getting going here. But, um, yeah, guys, we, we always look forward uh, to this 8.30 time. It's really just for us. It's kind of a reset. Uh, it's an opportunity to kind of get, get things moving in the right direction on Monday morning and go through information that we hope is um, useful and something that you can use and, and take with you. And I know that oftentimes, and I know that some of you said, you know, gosh, you guys, you know, I hear a lot of the, the stories, you know, the, through the experiences that you've had. And I, and I get it. I mean, listen, our, our experiences and our stories are only our experiences and our stories. It's, there's a lot more, there's a lot more to, uh, to this business as it relates to you guys and, and to the things that are going on in your world. And, um, you know, definitely, you know, I, I think when people, you know, get involved the way that you guys are and they start, you know, working with us and they start, you know, looking at ways to develop and, and actually treat this like a business, which is, you know, just in all transparency, that's the, the reality is, is that most people do not uh, actually treat this like a business. I mean, they, they, they intend to, I think, and, they they like the idea of it, and I know it sounds good, but you know when when the rubber meets the road, there's only a small percentage of people that really do, you know, treat it like a business and see it as a business. And and in, in those instances, those folks are are typically the big winners. You know, while other people kind of uh, have it, you know, it's almost like a social club in some cases, and other cases, it's it's just a you know, it's a community. It's where people can get together, and and all that is very important. And it's true, but then you've got this layer of people up here that just see this thing as as it is. And it's it's a it's a major, major uh, you know cash flow business. It's probably in, in most instances, in my experience, for the people that do treat it like a business, it's probably the biggest business that you're ever going to own uh, when you understand it. You know, now, but but if you don't understand it and you don't treat it like a business, then of course it'll just be what it's going to be, you know, and, and, and we completely understand that. And, and what, I've, what I've really learned over time, uh, and we, we do this kind of training called the marketing and building a marketing distribution company, is you've got to really, you know, I'm not here to try to convince anybody to become something that they're not prepared to become. I'm not here to try to convince people that they should do something in, in, in a way that is going to be just maybe not match up with who they are, their values, and, and what they're trying to accomplish in life. I, I get that. And, and frankly, I've learned over the years that, that most people are not, not prepared to go out and become a, a, you know, an annual seven-figure earner or multiple seven-figure earner or maybe multiple $100,000 you know, uh, $100, earner. And, and that's just because they have different standards. They have different expectations. They're, they're, you know, they're looking for a way to just, you know, enjoy life and that's fine and they're looking for a way to you know you know reap the benefits of some extra cash and an additional cash stream and, and and I and I don't have any problem with that but but the only challenge that can occur at times is that sometimes the people or sometimes folks that are out there doing the activities and going through the process of you know you know in their in their way of, of what they believe they should be earning a lot more money, but they're not committed to the effort required to go actually generate that income. And when we talk about the effort required, I mean that there, that means different things to different people. But the beginning stage of any business is understanding some of the skills 
that are required. Now we don't sell anybody. I don't. I never tell people that you know uh, network marketing or, or multi-level, whatever you want to call it, is perfect. It's not. Okay. In fact, there's a lot of challenges with it. I just believe it's better. I don't believe it's perfect. I believe it's better. I believe it. I, I genuinely believe it is the. It, it really is uh, the best experience entrepreneurially. It's where you can start from nothing. I'm talking about below nothing. And you can go out and you can generate a, a huge, uh, you know, you, you, can, you can literally build a, a bigger portfolio in this business, utilizing the cash flow that comes from it, investing it wisely. You can build a huge business starting off with nothing. And, and this business, you know, this model that we have here started back in the, you know, the early 60s, you know, a little company called uh, American Way, you know, and at that time they were selling, you know, um, drums and, uh, of soap that then they started selling in large cartons. And everybody knows the story. I mean, Amway became a fixture in, in the mindsets of many people as it relates to this industry. And there, there's, you know, grandchildren over there today, if you study the model, if you take the time, they're generating, you know, a million dollars a month in revenue because their grandparents started a business, an additional revenue business in the early 60s that, that grew. And, the, you know, the United States government challenged that, that model. They said that it was not a, not a legal model, and they, they won that. They won that case. You can go back over case history, and you can see. And there are a lot of other, you know, models that the government would you know, try to shut down. They tried to shut down franchising. They said that was an illegal model. We all know what has transpired there. So, so sometimes what you don't understand, what you're not up on, you're down on. And it can, it can be anything from an individual who, <clears throat> you know, has had great success in the world and done this business and that business to the American government. It doesn't matter. If you don't understand the mechanics, if you don't see it for what it really is, and sometimes it's challenging, and it's very difficult to treat it like a business. We understand that. And I, I just try to tell people from my own perspective, and take it for what it's worth, right? Um, if you're going to be involved in this industry, if you're going to actually do it, then um, you know, decide to take the responsibility to, you know, to become a professional at it. That's all. I, I just, you know, I'm just, it's just a recommendation. Um, you know, maybe you're going to be a professional and do it, you know, kind of on a – Spare time, part-time basis, that's okay. Just do it professionally. If you're going to make, it, if you're going to make this, the decision to do it in a larger way and take the time to understand the details of what you really need to do to have success, then, then do it professionally. In any way that you do it, <clears throat> just take the steps to do it professionally. Anything that's worth doing is worth doing well. And, and just, put, you know, just put the energy and the time that you have available into this, just, just make sure that that's quality time, that you're actually focused. That, that way you don't have to spread out, you know, a crazy amount of time just kind of, you know, just kind of picking at it, you know, just kind of doing it now and then. I did that. I mean, when I first got involved in the business, I didn't understand. I frankly did not believe or understand it was a real business. And, and, and you have to realize that, um, you know, the story, you know, my, my story very simply put, is that I had a, um, a greater amount of success as I was building the business. I had, I had a greater amount of success that had nothing to do with, with what I was doing. I, I had a, I'd recruited some people that had gone out in the industry, um, and they just they understood it much more than I did, okay? They, had, they, were better, they had better leadership skills than I did. Uh, my partner 
uh, who was a uh, he was a, my partner in a physical therapy practice in Southern California recruited his name was Andre von Kamenay, and he recruited Paul Gabink and Paul Gabink came uh, from Holland and and uh, got involved in that company and uh, developed a huge huge mecca business seven thousand people over in Holland it was all in my organization and man that didn't have anything to do with me so I had to kind of I had to reverse engineer my own thinking. It happened so fast for me that I realized I had to catch up. You know, if I was going to lead, because there's only three choices. Either you lead, you follow, or you get out of the way. I mean, it, that, that's just really all you have. I mean, I, one of my, you know, one of my uh, old baseball coaches told me that, and it's true. In any organization uh, where you're going to have synergy and flow and success, you just have to decide which one of those things you're going to choose. And there's nothing wrong with leading. That's a great thing to do. That's what you choose to do. Then there's some specific steps that you're going to need to take. If you choose to follow, that's okay too. No problem. I mean, it, it really is what you want it to be. This is your business. It's not my business. It's not, I mean, you're part of our company, but you're, you run your company how you choose to run it. And, and I just try to um, you know, strongly encourage people, if you're going to do this, I don't care if it's 10 hours a week or it's 30 hours a week, man, do it professionally. You know, don't, don't allow yourself to go through this process and look back and say to yourself, oh, I could have, I could have been sharper, I could have been cleaner, I could have been tighter. You don't want to look back and feel that way. You know, and, and that sometimes can happen. I've seen it happen to a lot of folks. Um, so just, you know, that's my recommendation. Just be a professional at it. And, and like any profession, if you treat it like a profession, then there are some skills you're going to need to learn. Okay, there's some skills that you're going to need to learn in the event that you choose to treat it like a profession. Every one of you on the phone uh, right here, right now, you, you've been professionals, which is remarkable when I look at it. I mean, I can look down the list of people I see on the call right now, and every one of you have been professionals in, in areas of your life, and you've done it very well. And I've listened to you, your backgrounds, your stories, and some of those stories and backgrounds are really strong. And, and that's why, you know, when we have a, you know, our testimonial calls that we're doing now on, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, man, that's, that sets the tone for a brand-new person to come on the call and listen to a, a, an assortment of various backgrounds and, you know, subliminally, they're just listening to all these different backgrounds, realizing all these people for various reasons are like-minded and have still gotten involved in the same business, right? So, so, that's, so that's a major thing. And then when you get involved and you start, you know, treating this business like other businesses that you've been involved with or other endeavors that you've been involved with or maybe education that you've been involved with or other things that you kind of took halfway seriously, then there probably were some steps that you had to take to get effective at what you were doing. Maybe it was repetitious effort. Maybe it was learning and understanding the skill. Maybe it was modeling yourself after someone else. Maybe it was reading a lot of information. Maybe it was uh, taking time to research. I mean, all you guys on the phone, man, I see the information you, ca you cast out on social media. Some of you are extremely aware and have high levels of understanding of politics. Some of you have high levels of understanding of sales. Some of you have high levels of understanding of implementing those sales, and you've done it in the past with, in spa environments. And, hey, medical doctors, general surgeons, my God. I mean, whew. Over-the-top stuff, when I think about it, you know, professional salespeople, 
title companies and insurance and uh, real estate, and it goes on and on and on. And I promise you, in all those different instances, there was a level of, of aptitude and effort made to make sure that they knew that that business was a real business to make it work. It, it, maybe it was working for somebody, but you did that job as good as you possibly could. Hey, re-engineer the effort required in those areas of your life and, and, and just try it. I mean, just recommend Give it a shot. And, and when you start looking at the list of the skills, there are specific things, and we've done trainings on this, but I can just give you a quick list right off the top of my head. I mean, the number one skill that, that anybody that's in this particular industry needs, because really what you're building is you're building a network. But the first skill that you have to find is, is finding where your personal prospects are going to come from. Because before you have a team, you, you have you, yourself, and you know, there's you know, three people, me, myself, and I, right? You've got yourself. And, and, and the reason this is the greatest entrepreneurial opportunity I've ever seen is I've seen people laying brick and hanging sheetrock that have become multimillionaires, and I see other people that have had these professional backgrounds, and they, they can't crack an egg. I mean, they can't make it work because they've decided that it's just kind of this thing that's for these certain people, and they, they don't understand the mechanics of making and doing the work required to make the business work. You know, network marketing, right? So the number one skill is you've got to find prospects, and there's a whole we, – we, we have a whole training in the event that you'd ever be interested, just go to your back office. Go to WBRX University and you'll find an entire training on the skills and on what's required to find prospects. You'd be amazed what's back there. Second skill is learning how to invite effectively. Learning how to you know, bring people to take a look at a business, to communicate. And, and Sean and I, we, we try to, you know, hey, give us an opportunity to have a three-way call so that we can insert ourselves and kind of walk through this information with some people and teach them what's required. And, and there's, that's, that's an expectation that I would have if I've never learned how to invite. And some of us, professionally speaking, know how to invite. We've, we've you know, had venues and meetings, and we've done a number of different things. And for, for this particular area, we can invite. We can invite people to parties. We can invite, but when it comes to a business endeavor, we don't exactly know how to invite. Guess what? In your, in your back office in WBRX University, in the event that you would ever be interested in the concept of treating this like a professional, it's, that information is there for you. We've, lo we've logged in the time necessary on calls like this for you to have access to that information, you personally. Okay? And, and so there's a, whole, there's a whole training on that. Hey, there, there's, there's a whole training on what's required to you know, present your product and your opportunity. It's back there. There's a whole next skill. There's a whole training on how to follow up with your prospects. There's a whole training on, on the skill required to help your prospects become, actually convert them into customers and actually uh, convert them into brand partners. Helping, another skill, helping you know, your brand partners get started in the correct way. What, what steps can you take as a good sponsor to help them get started correctly. Um, then there's the skill of promoting events. I mean, you can earn a fortune just on that one skill alone. And, and so, it, you know, this is a business, guys. It's not going to happen overnight. We understand that.
But I would encourage you to at least take some of the initial steps and, and understand, and, but you have to make the decision first. The, the decision that would have to come before you'd really take the steps, I believe, to learn the skills is you'd have to be prepared to treat it like a professional and treat it like a business. That's all. And, and if you, and there's nothing wrong with it if you haven't done it yet, but it, just realize it's difficult to have the results that professionals have unless you're willing to take on the commitment and the responsibility to, to actually do that. And, and guys, these steps, it's not just been, I mean, I, certainly the information that is on W. Barrett University is worth listening to. I, I really believe that. But it didn't, I am not the author and the creator of that information. That information was taught to me a long time ago. I'm really just a guy that has had an experience and I'm passing that on to you. So it's, it's way beyond my personal experience. There's an industry out there where I promise you hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars of business have transacted through this business model, having nothing to do with Barry Koshu and W. Burex or Sean Baker. I promise you, nothing to do with us. It's out there. So what we try to do is to, is to take our personality, our values, and our culture and segue it into a business model that can produce remarkable results. And I was just having a quick conversation with, um, you know, with my partner Sean before we get on the call, and he was, you know, having a, he was telling me about a very positive um, Saturday meeting where we're, you know, really diving into the comp plan. And he was just sharing with me, in all honesty, he said, you know, it was great to do this, but it was really um, enlightening to learn that most people really didn't understand our comp plan. And most of them are the ones that are on every one of these calls. And, and, and so it, it didn't surprise me because I know that if you understand the comp plan, the economics, economics typically do drive behavior, then there would, there would probably be a different pattern of behavior. And, and so, it, you know, we, we have in all honesty had some people that have generated far in excess of income than what they understood was, was required to make it happen. I think that in some cases – it has to do with, um, with Sean and myself, where we, we try to do everything that we can to help people at any particular time, and so much so that sometimes as we find ourselves you know, doing the effort or making the efforts required that we know you should be making and, and substituting for you. Um, and and that does, that's nothing, I mean, we understand the, the deal until you learn what's going on or you have people that evolve within your organization and take on that mantle of leadership that say, hey, I'm going to treat this like a profession. I'm going to learn those skills and heighten myself in every area, and they start focusing in on that and then teaching that to other people. See, that's the thing. It's one thing to learn it yourself or to become successful or, or to have created a skill set where you've done well. But until you can point at different people around that you've helped have success – I think that, that that becomes a barrier, it becomes a hurdle, it, it challenges the idea of, of, of other people that are skilled that do really want to have high levels of success getting involved. See, when people think about, the first thing that I think people have to get over is the whole nomenclature of network marketing. It's just a business. It's a very successful business. I've sat in front of many people, many, some of you brought your prospects where they're like, I don't really believe in this business model. I think it's just one of those things. Of course, you, you, don't, you think that I haven't heard that like a few thousand times in the past 30 years? Of course I have. 
and, and frankly, and thank God, I haven't let ever, whether it was early in my um, early in my career or down the road as it was as I was going, I never allowed that to to you know throw me off track. It could have very easily done that. Just tell you a quick story. I mean, when we first started our company, um, you know, back in in 2000, myself and and I had a, another partner that we were primarily responsible for driving the revenue. Um, you know, it wasn't Sean at that time. It was before Sean got involved in the industry. But uh, this guy was happened to be my upline in the in the previous company that we started off with, and when we started our own company, we did it together, and um, and, and and so we really we made a major commitment. Okay, we took family money. Okay, and we put into the business, and uh, it you know it was scary. I mean, you know, you're putting all your we we didn't put all of our eggs in one basket. We we I, listen, we burned the ships. We put everything personally. Financially, and a lot of people would say, well, that's not necessarily wise. I understand that. I really do. We just didn't give ourselves any other recourse. That was the one thing I will tell you about, about my partner at that time is that he, he really did burn the ships. I mean, he really didn't have any, any other, anywhere else to go, and it was evident in, in how he did what he did. And, and, and I'll just say this. We went out. We put all of our eggs in the basket. We, you know, I'm not saying that you need to do that. I'm saying that's what we did. We were a little bit out there, okay? But let me share the results with you. So, so I, we were on planes, and, and at that time I was living in Fort Lauderdale. first got the company going. We lived in Fort Lauderdale, and we officed in Boca Raton. And at that time, a lot of the business that we had established, I, I had gotten started in Atlanta before I moved down there. And I had some guys that I was working with. I was working with uh, two guys. I had you know, two lines of the company. I, I brought them on, Kent Wiskovich and uh, Paul Magistri. You know, now in our company now, we have, you know, working lines. We have, you know, really one that started with a friend of mine, you know, Brett, uh, Brett Shoemaker. And then, uh, you know, we've got another line that started with uh, Ryan Rennick. Uh, and, and those are the two primary working lines that we have, you know, with, within the company today, right? And, and then everything else is genealogically down from that group. And then, of course, um, also, um, I think Mitchell Holzer was another gentleman that was started by, you know, so you've got, you know, Michael Vanderveer and Mitchell Holzer, and then you've got Ryan Rennick. And these guys are genealogically upline from everything that, that is really productive in, in terms of our company. We do have some stuff that's going on in terms of people that are buying and selling products that, you know, through physician practices, and that's really important. But going back in that day, we had these two lines. So I was flying back and forth. Uh, to Atlanta to help these folks get, you know, keep the momentum and keep the business going and getting in front of their people. And they were doing meetings. It was organized. And, and so one day I got on a flight and I was sat next to a gentleman and this guy had on a very good, very sharp pinstripe suit. I mean, he was decked out sitting in, in, in that particular day I was upgraded and I sat, sat right next to him in, in front, uh, first class <clears throat> and I had, um, you know, we had all, I had all of my uh, information, you know, that I always carried with me in my, in my book, in my case. And before I, you know, sat, I was, I had some stuff I had to review. And I sat down and this guy next to me as the investment banker, he was uh, working out of Atlanta, but he was also uh, living in Fort Lauderdale and had a, and had a condo in uh, New York City. And, and for, I'd say, the first hour of the flight, I mean, the flight, I think, at that time took about an hour and a half to go from Fort Lauderdale to Atlanta. For the first hour and a half of that flight, all that guy did was tell me about all of the, um, the phenomenal results he had with his clients financially as an investment banker. 
And he was very proud of it, and I was excited for him. I was involved. I was engaged in the conversation. I thought, man, this guy is awesome. Good deal. And he just went on and on and on. So I listened. I listened, listened. <clears throat> and then, um, you, know, I, you know, I got to a point in the conversation where I had to kind of review some of the stuff I had, and I broke out some of the brochures we just had <clears throat> within our business. And, um, and he started – I could see he was looking at my material. And he, he noticed on one of the things that was obviously we're a network marketing company that we just launched, right? And mind you, this isn't a particular point in time where I had already, as a distributor, been fortunate and blessed to have earned millions of dollars, okay? In an, in an endeavor that I started back in 1992, and here I am in 1999. I'd earned millions of dollars, over $6.2 million fat. I'd earned that. And, and here I'm sitting next to a guy, investment banker, obviously very successful, and he sees my collateral material, and he notices it says network marketing. And the, the expression on his face completely changed. His demeanor completely changed. So he says to me, he says, uh, are you in network marketing? Are you in that business? I said, yes, sir, yeah, I am, as a matter of fact. Let me show you some of the information and tell you a little bit about it. And he said, no, I just want you to stop right there. He said, man, I can't believe it disgusts me that you're involved in that industry. I can't believe that anybody that's sitting here next to me in first class, even remarkably close, I can't, I can't, and he went on and on and on for a good 15 minutes and told me how disgusting and how terrible, how his friends, brothers, uncles, aunt lost all their money to some guy. And I mean, it went, it was horrible. I mean, it, I think that he drew attention from everybody around us because he was just, belligerently badgering and, and literally just destroying everything he could to destroy the fabric and the essence of the business model. That I had just taken all of my money and savings and my partner, we were young and fledgling company, had never even had success as of yet. Okay? We were, just, we were still just getting the company going. I was flying, you know, the effort, the energy, and the emotion, and all that's involved to get the business going. And here I got this guy who's an investment banker, sharp guy, telling me how terrible it is what I do. He doesn't believe in the model, doesn't believe whatever. It was on and on and on. Didn't, didn't even give me a word to say edgewise. Didn't get in, I mean, I didn't have a chance to get in the conversation. And, and then finally, there was a pause, like a normal pause that you would take in the midst of going from one sentence. So I said, hey, can I just ask you a simple question? I said, look, I, you know, I'm sitting next to here, next to you here, and I'm, you know, we're on the flight's almost over. But before we descend, I want to say a couple of things. I said, look, uh, I've sat here and I've listened to you talk for the last 15 minutes about how terrible my business is and how good yours is. I said, that's all good. I said, you know, I said, I said, but let me just say this one thing to you. I said, I just want to tell you, I thank God that I didn't run into you about uh, seven or eight years ago when I first got started in this business. Had, her, had I run into you then, <clears throat> you probably would have destroyed me and destroyed my dream and my possibility. But you know what's happened? I've gone out. I've made millions of dollars. I don't have to be convinced the business model works. I know it works. And sadly enough, I hope that you don't run into other people at an early stage in their career doing what I'm doing and destroy their dreams. Because frankly, you would have destroyed mine. You probably would have destroyed theirs. And as a matter of fact, let me just do this for you. I asked the, the flight attendant, I said, would you mind just give somebody else this seat and let someone else sit next to this clown? I'm done. I don't want to sit next to him. I'm going to go sit somewhere else. So I went back to coach. That seat sat empty, and everybody around me in the uh, area where I was talking, they all kind of, they kind of gave their little 
clap as I got up and left because they knew that this guy was all about him himself and they knew that I wasn't going to sit there and listen to his crap anymore. Now, here's my question for you guys. Now, how many of you are really, really in favor or believe so much in what you're doing that anytime someone would come around you and start you know, being belligerent or belittling you within this opportunity would feel a sense of certainty? I promise you not any one of you yet because there's always the naysayers out there that will try to destroy anybody's dream, and they don't even realize it. I remember Olga, I mean, she was dating a guy that she was trying to get excited about the business, and he was just adamant that it wasn't real. Even though he had Sean tell him, hey, it's a multi-billion dollar industry, and I've earned seven figures, and I said, you know, we've had a company, and it didn't make any difference because it wasn't really about the business. It had other things to do about him. And most of the people that you run into, guys, that will try and steal your dream, they're just basically telling you they don't want you to go off and become successful without them, or they don't believe that anybody can have success because they've never taken the time to look into an industry of publicly traded companies that has done hundreds of billions of dollars. So it, it, it's not unusual, and you have to realize before you're going to have the success that you genuinely want to have, it's all about belief. It's all about determining how you want to treat this, if you want to treat it like a business. And if you do, believe me, if you want to treat this like a business and you want to determine how much revenue you can make, not just every week but every day, you've got inventory, you've got product, you can exchange that product for money. It's not hard, but you're going to have to learn how to become a professional to do that so that then you can go out with a level of excitement and belief and enthusiasm and teach other people to do that. So if you, if you want to take on the responsibility of becoming a professional, learn the skills. Learn the steps that are required. Spend some time in WBRH University so that you can research and learn the steps that you need to take. You can learn the comp plan. You can learn how to present the business. You can learn how to go out and you can find prospects. You can actually have a certain amount of success every single week, every single month, and there will be no more goose eggs. And for other people that help get, that you get involved in the business, they've got the benefit of working together with you. And it all starts somewhere. Now, this information I'm communicating to you guys, if it doesn't sound good or if it doesn't resonate with you, it may be because you have no interest in being a professional, and that's okay. I don't mind that you guys spend the time that you do to jump on these calls and joke around and talk with us. We love it. We're people too. Sean loves to, you know, have a good time and talk with you guys, but I'm just letting you know, in all honesty, hey, the reality is this. You can't expect to have the results of a professional if you're going to treat it like a little side thing. That's all. I'm not suggesting that you don't treat it like a side thing, no problem, but just don't expect to have high levels of success. Don't expect to go out and make fifteen, thirty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars $80,000 a month because you happen to find good people that just roll up to you, that, that likelihood of that happening is almost, uh, it, it, it's, you might as well just you know, buy a lottery ticket because that's the same. I mean, people will sell the lottery ticket concept, but I'm here to tell you that the way that you can make this business work is take on the responsibility of treating it like a business and doing the things that professionals do. Don't be sh some slide, you know, slide stick, shoot from the hip, see what we're going to do. That, that's, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't become you. It doesn't, make, it doesn't make you what you really are potentially capable of being in this industry or anything else. 
That's all I would say. So with that, guys, I appreciate you know you spending the time to listen, and I hope that this information is valuable to you. And if you have some thoughts or ideas, or you want to you know chop it up a little bit and just talk about the, the ways that you can improve your skills and treat this like a professional, I'm, I'm happy to sit down with you and talk with you about those things. But I would recommend that you do some research. It's all there for you. WBRX University, take the time to look at some of the things that you can do to improve your skill. And you'll find that when you start working on you, the business gets incredibly, incredibly simple. Believe me, the six-step program is very simple. Comp plan is not hard once you learn it. And, and the steps required to go out and, and create the skills needed are not hard either. So with that, brother, I'm going to turn it over to you. Appreciate all that you do. Uh, I, I know that we've got a, a, a good lineup of a lot of activity this week, and uh, I, I'm excited about what we've got going on. So with that, brother, I'm going to turn the call over to you. All this morning, as always. Hey, thanks, Barry. Good job. Appreciate you guys jumping on the call this morning, as always. And great information from Barry. You know, it's funny because he's going through his, his story. You know, names pop into my own story, I, you know, and, and I'll just kind of jump in kind of real quick, but, you know, right out of the Army, you guys know that I went to work for Enterprise Rent-A-Car, and, and I only talk about that because, you know, prior to my experience in the military, I grew up, my, my parents were very blue-collar. You guys know my mom drove a school bus and was a, a secretary at the bus barn during the day, and then she worked at a 7-Eleven, you know, Texaco uh, gas station at, at night, and so she had no real, uh, you know, white-collar skills, for lack of a better word, certainly no sales skills or closing skills or negotiating skills. I mean, certain things that life taught her, but she had no formal education. And my dad, you know, was really no, was no different. And so when I got a job at Enterprise, the reason I touch on that a lot of times, guys, is because that was the first place I ever learned, you know, customer service 101, you know, stand up. You know, when someone, when someone walks into, into your office, stand up, uh, shake their hand, look them in the eyes, use your name. Hi, Sean, how can I help you? You know, that type of thing. I never experienced that, uh, you know, obviously in high school, nor did I observe that for my parents, and then I didn't certainly experience that in, in the Army. And so, you know, Enterprise was just a place for me to really uh, learn how to be a, a professional adult, you know, learn how to tie a tie as an example, or learn, you know, again, good, good phone skills or following up or something like taking notes, you know, saying you're going to call somebody back and then actually calling them back because if they have to call you back, you know, now they're upset because you were going to call them back and they're waiting for an answer and you never called back. So I learned little things like follow-up and follow-through. And, and, you know, so that's the only reason I reflect back to that story, you know, so often is because, you know, right from Enterprise, then I went and became a distributor for the company that Barry owned at the time. And I was able to apply simple things like following up and following through and, you know, writing things down on my calendar and remembering to call people back and remembering to, you know, ship product or to ship a sample and just, just little basic block and tackle things but those were the things really that ultimately paid off for me in the long haul. You know, a lot of times it's funny because I remember, I don't remember the exact year. It was somewhere around 2011, 2012, I was looking at buying a new home and I thought, God, I should become a realtor because I would be an amazing realtor just on the aspect of returning phone calls alone. I would call on specific houses that I, saw in a neighborhood or that I saw online. I mean, this was really before things like, like HAR, H-A-R.com were out. But I would see a house. I'd, oh, this is a realtor. I'd take a picture. I'd call that realtor. And I'd call and I'd call and I'd call. And I'd never even get a phone call back. And I thought, God, if I could just get into 
you know, real estate on, on the aspect of returning phone calls and following up, I would be successful on that alone. And I know that's not necessarily true, but that's where my mind was because I just couldn't get these realtors to call me back, right? So I go through, I'm telling you this whole story because, you know, a guy named John, not the John you guys always hear talking about, but a guy named John Lansbaum literally took me under his wing when I was 21 years old in Enterprise, took me on my very first sales call. He took me on my very first cold call. He took me on my very first, like, hey, we're going to walk into this account. They're very upset with us. We're going to diffuse this situation. We're going to resolve it. Like he, in my opinion, as it related to Enterprise Rent-A-Car, my, my friend and mentor, John, walked on water. I mean, there was not any question he couldn't find. He either didn't know the answer to or couldn't find the answer to or, or couldn't create the answer to. I mean, he, Enterprise or in a car, was his mecca, was his world, and he just knew it inside and out. Well, fast forward a few years. You know, John was a very young man. I was probably 25 or 26 at the time. I was learning about Amerisciences. It had just kind of been brought into my my world. I was learning about being, becoming a distributor. I was learning about working potentially with Barry. And I was watching John, you know, burn the candle. Even though I, I adored him and I admired him, he kept the same hours I did as a regional vice president, making literally between five and $600,000 a year renting cars, half, over half a million dollars a year renting cars and training people. About 34, 35 years old, 36 years old, somewhere in that ballpark. He's, he's, about, he's about 12 years older than me, I think. So, so if I was about 25, let's call him 37. And one day, gets his call from St. Louis corporate and says, we're going a different direction and, and you know, we're, you know, we're going to retire you, basically. At 37 years old. Now, fortunately, he had made good money and, and, and it saved his money and all that. So, he got quit. You know, that's what the old joke about corporate America. He got downsized. He got right-sized. He got corporate restructured. Whatever terminology you want to use, at no, at no decision of his, he no longer had a job. He, he wanted to be at Enterprise forever, and, and they said, you know, we're going to go a different route. I tell you all that to say, I thought, well, gosh, you know, the guy that had mentored me, the guy that had taught me, took, taking me on my first sales call, my first cold call, like this guy would be an amazing distributor He's unemployed. He's got plenty of money. He's got all the skill set. I mean, if I'm doing okay at this, I mean, he would just come over here and kill it, right? I mean, I just made, I, I just made, you know, eight thousand dollars last month. John should get involved, and he should make, you know, eighty thousand dollars. Well, I tell you all that to say that that I did. I talked to John about the business. John came down to corporate. John met with Barry. John ultimately got involved, and for all the wrong reasons, John could never make it work. He was, he was still stuck in that corporate mindset. He thought he could sit at a desk all day and people would come to him. He, he didn't understand what it was going to take to go from being a regional vice president at Enterprise Rent-A-Car to rolling up his sleeves and learning a new skill set, you know, the old dog, new trick you know, type thing. Um, he didn't know what it was going to take. And, and I tell you all that to say that, you know, truthfully, John, and he and I are still very good friends, fortunately, but he didn't have a great experience. He got involved as a national marketing director. He took a lot of no's, took a lot of rejection. I went on sales calls, or, you know, appointments with him. Uh, as his upline, of course, that was the, the right thing to do. And I was amazed at how he said all the wrong things. I mean, the guy that had been so good at enterprise and so 
gifted in his, his communication, in his emotional intelligence. It's like all of that went out the window, and he became this weird, twitchy sales guy, you know, like, like you know, well, well, I think you should get involved. And if you sign up, then blah, 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 blah. And he just he went from this super, as Barry was talking about earlier, this super professional, I mean, everyone, everyone in the woodlands knew him and knew him to be a certain way. And his net should have been wide and, and plentiful. And instead, he took that, 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 that panache, that flair, that charisma that he had at, at Enterprise, and he became a network marketing distributor, and he made it weird. And so all of that to say is, is a, a guy with the, the perfect pre- pedigree. Like, I know that I'm not a big uh, Kentucky Derby and, 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 and I don't even know the other names of them, the, the, the crown, the whatever, the, the horse racing stuff. I'm not, I, I love it. It's neat, but I just I don't follow it. I don't bet on it. I'm not a huge fan. But I know it's often about pedigree. You know, it's like this horse, this horse is, is the, the, this is the one that should win. And then, you know, once the buzzer goes off and once the gate goes down and once the jockey's doing the jockey's thing, you know, pedigree to some degree kind of goes out the window. Sometimes the, the horse that was supposed to win wins, and sometimes some no-name whatever horse comes up from the back and shows everybody up. And that's kind of the point of my story is, is John had the pedigree to be the guy that should have won all the races. He should have been the top producer, the top earner, he should have just been a rock star. And at the end of the day, for a million different reasons, he wasn't. Now, you know, he got all within about a year, he got fired from, from Enterprise, from a six-figure, deep, you know, half a million-plus-dollar-a-year job. He had a daughter, um, one of his two, grow up and, and go to college, and his wife, just out of the blue, filed for divorce. Well, can I control any of that as a, as a distributor, as an upline, heck, even as an owner of a company? Can I control when someone has a major health issue? No. Can I control when they go through divorce, when their spouse just up and decides one day, I, I don't want to do this anymore, I'm leaving? No. Can I make someone apply their gifts and their skill sets to being successful in this business? No. But can I be understanding, available, trained up, coached up, prepared, ready to engage? I can do all those things. I can work on me. And I can, I can wrap arms with someone that says, hey, you've acquired the skill set. I aspire to acquire, acquire the skill set, left thought arms, and go to work together. Well, I can do that, but I can't make them work with me and make them be successful. And I can't control the, the ups and the downs and the challenges, you know, of their life. Uh, just got a text from Barry says, you guys can't hear me. Hmm. Well, hopefully you can hear me, <laughs> and I'll just keep talking for the next couple of minutes. But anyway, all that to say um, is that I, I really wanted John to get over here and be successful, and I really thought he would. I thought he was going to be the guy that was like the triple, oh, triple crown. That's what it's called, the triple crown winner, right? He wasn't, and that's okay. I mean, I still love John. We're still friends. He now owns a flooring company here in, in, in the Houston area, and, and I'm not sure how successful you know it is, but – but I wish the guy nothing but the best, and, and we're still very dear friends. Now, the reason I tell you all that is because John, you know, he did get involved. He did give it the old college try. It did not work out for him for a million different reasons. But what did happen is John brought a guy named Michael Keating. Now, Michael Keating did not have the master's degree, the upper-level education, 
Uh, he, you know, he was not a half million dollar, six, you know, $600,000 a year earner at Enterprise. He, he was none of those things. He was a great guy. He was a personal trainer. He was a lover of life. He was a professional athlete, you know, retired professional motocross athlete. And, and he was an amazing guy. He was amazing. And what happened is he went out under John, and he went out and earned like $2 million. Or not earned, I'm sorry, generated like $2.1 million in revenue. And he earned, you know, probably very, very deep five figures, 80000 90000 bucks, maybe a hundred, hundred and twenty thousand bucks. I do know that with their supplemental income, they started a new Pilates studio and paid off the house they were living in and sold it and, and then bought a new house, all with the distributor money that they made, in addition to their, you know, he and his wife's full-time jobs. So all of that to say is if you looked at John on paper, he was the guy that you, you guys as distributors, or we, you know, as, as, as a company, we would be fighting over John. And we would kind of be probably, or I did, I'll just make this about me, I, you know, I'm not here to, you know, to, I'm not fussing you guys, I'm not talking about my story, but... I would have probably turn my nose up at Michael. As a matter of fact, I think I did. The first meeting he came into, it happened to be raining outside, and he had come from across the, the complex where he worked, and he was soaking wet and in workout clothes versus in a suit and tie, which is what most people were wearing. And I thought, you know, in my mind, I'm like, well, you should be wearing a suit and tie. So I kind of went into judgment mode. I kind of went into, you know, who is this guy mode. Well, he was a guy that, that frankly, was going to participate in changing my life. I mean, if, if we're going to call it what it is, he was a guy that went out, and I made – I never calculated it, but, I mean, I could, I could go back and figure out what the commission and the commissionable volume was or residual income on $2.1 million. But just off the top of my head, I promise you it was twenty-five, thirty, dollars you know, maybe forty dollars or $50,000. And so as a result of getting John involved, John got Michael involved, and Michael is where I made the money. But, guys, you need to know, and I'm just being very transparent with you, John's – emotional journey took me on my own emotional journey because even though I had already made some money when John, you know, started to struggle and would call me and say, man, I, you know, I don't know how you do this. I can't figure it out. That stuff would get in my head. I was like, well, man, if John can't do this, you know, is is this like, is it going to, I mean, I was making money. I was doing it. I was doing the business and his inability or his failures for lack of a better word, started making me question my successes. Oh, is this a fly, am I a flash in the pan? Can I duplicate this? It, was, it just a, was it just fluke luck? And, and John's right, you know, this is harder than I think it is. And he started, you know, it's almost like when, you, when, you, when a child says, you know, I can fly or I'm going you know, to learn to fly. And you immediately are like, well, if humans can't fly, sorry. And you see that little kid have that look of like disappointment and sadness and distraughtness on their face. That, that was me, but with John, you know, he was like, you know, he would, he would basically, as I was trying to coach him up to be successful in the business, he was bringing me down, telling me how hard the business was while I was already having success in the business. And so anyway, all that to say, like I said, John and I are still very dear friends, but I had to really get my head right. I had to, for lack of a better word, I've never used this word in, in this way before, but I think it's the right word. I had to fortify I think it would be a good word. I had to fortify my own emotional, mental, and spiritual state. I had to fortify, you know, my wife at the time was not a fan. She was not supportive, much like what Barry was talking about, Olga's, you know, ex. Why are you doing that? Why don't you just stay with your J-O-B? Now, mind you, 
and I am not picking on her. I, we, she and I have, have – that's water under an old bridge. We're good now. But the same person that was like, you work too much. You've got to do something different. You're pulling too many hours in enterprise. They're going to kill you. So then when I went to find something different, she was – she panicked and was like, why did you – you know, why are you doing this? You should just keep your job. And it's like, okay, wait a minute. One day you're telling me to quit and I need to do something else, so I start doing something else, and that's not what you meant. And in her defense, what she meant was more of a nine-to-five. Quit working a seven-to-seven, go get a nine-to-five that, of course, pays as much or more as my seven-to-seven, but, but, you know, like, like to fit in this box. And I just wasn't that guy. And you may or may not be that guy or gal. You might be. You might be the kind of person, as Barry mentioned, that needs that structure, that nine-to-five, that J-O-B. I did for a, a time in my life. There was a time in my life that I needed someone to say, don't be late tomorrow. Don't forget to wear a clean tie. Don't forget we have that presentation. Show up prepared. I mean, I needed that structure right out of the military as a young guy. I needed someone to help me be a little more accountable. Now, at 44, I've not mastered my own accountability, but I'm pretty darn good. I keep my calendar. I stay up on my emails. I respond to my text messages. I, 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 ha- you know, I utilize my calendar. I book appointments. I certainly do my best not to double book. But at 44, <clears throat> I've learned some of the arts of being a little more self-sufficient, self-reliable, you know, more accountable, because you know, doing the right thing because it's the right thing, not because someone told me to. And at 44, I don't want to be told when and where to be or when I can go to the bathroom or if I can take my daughter to lunch today or if I can take off this weekend to go to my future son-in-law's graduation or whatever. I, I found a different place. I'm, a, I'm more comfortable being accountable to myself and being more self-reliant because I want the freedom associated with entrepreneurialism. Not only do I want the money, of course, but you make good money doing a lot of things. But sometimes you become a slave to that money depending on the vehicle. Well, what I love about our industry and the fact that you can do it very spare time, very part-time, full-time, if that's the position you're in and the makeup that you need to be, or you can become a a business builder, you know. And, And so I like that about the industry. I like the freedom and the flexibility at the age of 44 versus where I needed structure and accountability from a third party at the age of 24. Well, I can see the list of people on the call, and I, can, I know more or less your ages. You know, we don't have anybody 22 on the call right now. We have adults. We have people, you know, in their 30s, in their 40s, in their 50s, maybe even 60s. I won't call any names. I don't want to get anybody sideways on a Monday morning. But we might have a couple of folks even in their 60s on the call. And you're all, I say all that to say you're at different places in your journey and we just need to identify where that is. If you, I know Olga does a great job. She's just recently taken on a new career or a new job with a new company, and we wish her the best. We really genuinely do if that's the position she wants to be in. But she's also been a person that says, hey, I, I want to make 50000 I think it was, I think her number was fifty. Yeah, Olga, I apologize if I'm misquoting you. I think her number was I want to make $50,000 a month, and I want to be my own boss. Well, th- that's a goal that we want to tie to. So, What will Olga's journey look like? Probably a little bit like mine. She'll start spare time, part-time like she already has while having to maintain a full-time job because she's got full-time bills, right? But if we are able to help her knock down $5,000 a month, $5,000 a month, $5,000 a month, and all of a sudden it becomes $10, $10 a month, $10 a month, $10 a month, $10 becomes $20, $20 
20, 20, 20, 20 becomes 40. It won't take very long of consistent five-figure monthly checks, and I don't know when that will be, but Olga will get one or two or 10 or 20. I don't know how many checks, but one day she's going to go, you know what? This is working. My, my goals have, have come to fruition, and I'm going to quit my job, and I'm going to become a full-time distributor. That day is very likely in Olga's future, if Olga wants that. And if she changes her mind, because people do, that's okay, too. You know, there's parts of the story that we don't tell the whole story, not because of any reason other than usually just time. But, guys, when I left Enterprise and went full-time as a distributor, I was full-time for about two years. And then I got a call from a friend of mine who owned a company. It was something I was very passionate about. My business had really kind of kind of stabilized itself, or so I thought it had sort of stabilized itself. I had good leaders in other markets. And I thought, you know what, I can probably do both. I can probably maintain and continue to grow my existing distributorship and take on this new job from this company with this buddy of mine that's you know, it's extra income, it's, it's work you know, from home, it's kind of symbiotic with what I'm doing with my distributorship. I think I can do both. Well, I did for about six months. But what happened is one began to cut into the other, one that was less fruitful began to adversely affect my very fruitful, consistent distributorship, and I had to make a decision. I remember going to, to an, a, a kind of a granddad figure. He wasn't my granddad, but he was a granddad and a very, very dear friend of mine. And I went and asked him, I said, look, here's my, my paradigm. Here's my, my dilemma. My distributorship was going well. I've been doing it for about two years. I'm making about 30 grand a month. I started with this other company because this buddy of mine needed help. I thought it would be fun. I thought it would be some extra income. Now it's starting to adversely affect my distributorship. What do you think I should do? Now, this guy was a multimillionaire, and I honestly thought he was going to say, you know, hunker down, you know, work harder. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what I thought. I thought he was just going to say basically suck it up and drive on, right? And he didn't. He looked at me and he said, look, son, sometimes you just got to make a decision because you can't ride a horse. What do you say? You can't ride two horses with one ass. Now, pardon my French on a Monday morning, but that's literally what he said. He said, you have to make some decisions because you can't ride two horses with one ass in this scenario. And so I made the decision to, to quit that job. I resigned. I gave great notice to my friend, let him know the situation, and I became a full-time distributor again. So over the course of my journey, I'm only telling you that because initially I just wanted to make $10,000. I would call myself extremely spare time, not even part-time, like an hour here, an hour next week, two hours the next week, none the next. I mean, it was maybe four, five, six hours a month with no consistency, very sporadic. But I had enough success to go from spare time to part-time. Then in my part-time endeavors, I was able to go full-time, started becoming a business builder, got distracted, and went from full-time back to part-time, serious part-time, but still part-time, then back to full-time. And I'm just telling you all that because your journeys, guys, I mean, look, God forbid we pray for you guys, but it is likely, you know, we've already, we've already lost a distributor as an example. I don't know if you guys know that, but early on, one of our very, very, very first distributors all the way back from two, two and a half years ago, uh, her name was Robin, and she was a sweet, sweet woman. She was a dear soul. She succumbed to cancer, and we lost her. And that was a tough loss for us early on. Because part of being a distributorship, part of being an organization, 
is a lot like being a family. You know, we're, you, there's going to be folks that go through divorce. There's going to be folks that have children. God forbid there might be folks that lose children. And the, then the journey ebbs and flows as a result. But I would just tell you, if God forbid I had a major health issue, I would certainly rather go through that health issue with millions of dollars in the bank and some financial security versus going through that depending on the government, depending on I'm a veteran, you guys know that. I mean, but my biggest fear, guys, is having to depend on the VA for my health care needs. I, was pr- I proudly serve my country. I am a patriot. I love the United States of America. Guys, I am terrified of ending up at the VA and having to have them pro- you know, provide any care for me. And so my solution to that is bust my rear end to make enough money that I don't have to worry about my health care needs, that I don't have to worry about my children's financial needs, college or otherwise. And so the journey, all that just to say, guys, the journey is going to look different to each and every one of you. And I hope the takeaway, as I kick it back over to Barry, is Barry had to fortify his mind, his heart, his, his, his spirit, his spirituality. He had to become to some degree, a soldier, if you will, and, and you know, armored up against the world because the world is not a fun and friendly place. And, and my parallel is the same. I, I was successfully making money in the business, and I kind of sponsored my twenties, you know, my twenties hero, and he poo pooed all over the opportunity because he couldn't make it work for him, and had me begin to doubt making it work for me. And so I had to fortify my heart and my mind and my way of being to have the successes that I needed. So hopefully this speaks to at least one or two of you today. It's not going to speak to all of you, and we get that. Not every message is for everybody, but hopefully you take a nugget away today about, you know, identifying your goals, becoming rock steady, and not letting the voices around you adversely or negatively affect what it is that you want to accomplish in this business. And we're here to help keep you on track with that. So very great job today. I appreciate you giving me the time and uh, hopefully this spoke to somebody and guys we're you know we'll be here and around all week if you need anything please just reach out let's start tearing up three-way calls and promoting all of the information to get folks on the call tomorrow okay thanks a lot Barry back to you Sean great job as always and appreciate everything that uh, you're communicating guys appreciate you so much thank you for spending the time on the call with us and we look forward to seeing you on our testimonial call on Tuesday uh, or Thursday and also the time that uh, that you can spend with us at the office, what have you. Appreciate you guys. God bless. Have a great day. Bye-bye.